Hey guys, and welcome to Get Life Podcast Kunai. This has been a long time coming. We're going to do this episode finally after five years of memes and saying that we'll never do it and just like trashing on it. We're going to do it finally. Today, we're talking about Orimo. I've joined with Kevin. Yeah, season one, of course. Well, the only season of Orimo. There is no second season. Tragically got cancelled after the first season, but you know, we, we gotta cover it anyhow. We have to cover it, even if it's just one season. Before I get into it, I'll just explain to you guys what Orimo is. So Orimo was a light novel called Orimo by Tsukasa Fushimi, and then AIC picked it up for the first season. Yes. Kevin? Alright, so uh, for you new folks, Get Alive Podcast Kunai is a monthly anime discussion podcast under the Get Alive group. And due to the nature of the discussion on our podcast, we can't avoid spoilers of the show to be discussed. It is a review after all. So for those shows who are that are based off of an existing piece of work, whether it's a manga, a light novel, or some other media form, we aren't covering the source material, just the anime itself. It can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. And if you'd like to recommend a show for us to watch and make an episode of Kunai on, send us your suggestion on Twitter at galpkunai, that's G-A-L-P kunai, or by leaving us a review. If you want to support us, give us a helping hand, then you can check out Japan Crate by going to www.getalifepodcast.com forward slash Japan Crate and use the code GALP, G-A-L-P, for three bucks off at checkout. And if you want to watch Remo and other shows that we cover here on Kunai and keep up to date with what we watch, then you can support us by signing up for a 14-day free trial of Crunchyroll Premium for everything anime. That's www.crunchyroll.com forward slash kunai. For me, Orimo is a anime that has a lot of history behind it in the sense that, you know, it's an old anime. It was aired in 2010 in the autumn season, but I only watched it in 2012 when I got into anime. So for those who don't know, I got into the anime within the summer of 2012 and I started watching shows like Toradora, Haganai, a bunch of different shows. And I was asking Daniil, Daniil Senpai, what shows should I watch next? And then he was like, okay, watch Orimo. And so I did. I watched Orimo and it was, uh, it was intriguing to say the least. And in terms of my first impressions, I kind of understand why Daniil suggested it to me because I was getting into anime. I didn't really know much about it. I was kind of shitting on other people's animes at the time and I didn't really like anime and stuff like that. But this anime kind of opened it up for me. I don't know if you, you understand what I'm saying by that, but I mean, it changed my perspective on otaku culture and it made me understand understand um, the passion and what people enjoyed about it etc so I think that's why Daniil suggested it to me so that I can understand this is the culture that you're getting yourself into all right so before you were just like watching some shows right but you weren't fully into it yet yeah I was watching shows and I was like oh man anime <laughs> do you know what I mean and even before that before I even started Toradora which was my first anime I used to hate people that liked anime I just used to hate it. I was like fuck off man I don't want to hear you talk about Naruto like fuck Fuck off. Like, it was... You know, wait, you never watched that as a kid? No. Because, like, I-, I tell people that I got into anime, like, I think 20... We got into the into anime, I think, at the same time, more or less. Uh, but I I'd still watched stuff like, you know, like, Pokemon and shit before that. Well, I mean, right? back and, like, then... You know, like, everyone and their dog has seen those shows right true, true. i get it but i mean back then it, i don't really considered it anime like stuff like dbz Yu-Gi-Oh, gundam even sailor moon i didn't really consider those shows as anime because they were on cartoon network they were dubbed in english and they were kind of marketed as children's cartoon um because they had a lot of the stuff removed or stuff like that so i didn't really consider that as anime do you see what i mean then when Naruto mm-hmm. came around and people were like, oh yeah, Naruto. And when it was being simulcasted, everyone was like, yeah, Naruto, Sasuke and all this. I was like, no, just stop. 
just stop this weeaboo shit. And people used to go to cons and there are kids like, doing like fucking like ninja hand seals and shit, like jumping off walls, Naruto running through the school. I tell you something, <laughs> you mentioned that, but there was a lot of kids. There was a kid, I, I don't want to say his name because maybe he listens to this <laughs> podcast, but he, he was like one of the popular kids, but he was into anime as well. And then he didn't really say that he was into anime because it kind of, it would have dropped his street cred. Oh, he's just, he's doing the hand motions for the jitsus, right? And then he would be like, Cat! You know what I mean? Like, you know in Naruto when they do that and they, they do that explosion yeah. thing? He does that. And I was like, are you serious? Like, come on. Like, are you, are you really doing this? Like, you're 17 years old and you're actually... You, so I didn't really see that as a positive thing. And obviously, Orimo helped me to change that. I think H- How times why. have changed? Now you're the one with like seven Opai mouse pads, aren't you, Bish? Oh, man. I went to um, Marvelous AQL and they had this life-size Yumi mouse pad for the, one of the characters. And then, Life-size? What? Life-size, yeah. It's like, I don't know. It's like a couple of kilos. It's like three kilos. And oh, they okay. slammed it on the table and it actually broke my boom arm. So this is a new boom arm that I'm using now. It, sma- it's, it didn't smash the boom arm, but it cracked it down the middle. And I only realized that when I got home, but be on the lookout for the episode on Gap, by the way. But yeah, that's true. Now I'm the person. I'm that weeb. I'm that this, I'm that. It, it's kind of weird, bro, uh, to be honest with you, that now I'm I'm that person in the shoes. This is Maybe this was Daniil's prophecy. You know what I mean? <laughs> maybe that's what it is. But for me, when I was watching Orimo originally, I kind of had certain feelings on certain characters and certain, their actions and things. But obviously now, re-watching it for Kunai after like five years, you know, since I originally watched it, or even more than five years actually, since I originally watched it, I'm like, what the hell is going on here? I was like, oh, okay, cool. I relate to a lot more characters that I didn't necessarily do at the time. And I appreciate the anime for what it is. And I really want to kind of get into that that's why i was kind of shocked when you said that you know it was one of the first shows that you watched because like i was like i don't know how much i would get if i watched this and i wasn't really into anime i'd just be like what the fuck this shit is really weird that's true right you you gain a deeper level of appreciation for for a, a certain character i'd say or a, a lot of the characters just by having gone through the same experience i think you know? so but i mean at the same time i understand why daniel suggested it because it was like more as an introduction to anime for me you can see it that way or you can see it in the sense that oh you need to have an understanding of otaku culture to enjoy the show but i saw yeah, it so as you, the first you were like thing. kyosuke basically in your first watch and i was kind of like did you know no yeah way. basically okay. yeah. i see i yeah. see so you're saying you're sundere i think that's is that what it oh, is oh god oh god let's not get into that but oh, we'll get into it i just want to know your first impressions though because you mentioned that you you were kind of like kirino in that sense that you you're going into this as a otaku right just in terms of first impressions obviously this isn't like the other shows that you suggested where like i didn't really know about it beforehand uh i think everybody back then knew about oremo it was like one of the shows and shit that people were always talking about and especially with season two right you'd have to live under a rock to not hear about Orimo at least right so there's a whole shit storm of controversy surrounding it people like just like changing a pen doing 180s on on the show and stuff right it was a huge point of attention back then so i heard of it and that's exactly why i i haven't seen it until now right because it's, it's it's got a bad rep i'd say in a way because of the second season right so i've never really bothered with it because i in my head i was like look if the ending of the show is trash anyways then why would i bother with the first season it's kind of like game of thrones season eight right like why would i fucking recommend game of thrones to someone now knowing that it's a shit show at the end right? No matter how good the beginning is. So that was my attitude at the beginning. Um, so I really went into this show with zero expectations. My, like, my expectations were in the negatives, right? I, I was really expecting a complete shitstorm 
out of the show when I first started. I wasn't expecting much. I was expecting some sort of generic rom-com, you know, some Sundere characters, whatever. Something really, really generic. Uh, but I was pleasantly surprised with the first episode, actually. It's just that um, I, I found that the two characters, the two main characters, Kyosuke and Tirano, are really relatable. Like, they're kind of like two sides of the same coin that I think that everyone in the community can relate to. Because, you know, at first, when you're first getting into the community, right, when you first started out, like back in 2012, for you and me, for example, right, you were kind of like this outsider, and you really don't get what the hell is going on. You're like, what the fuck is with these people's, like, weird obsessions, right? But then there's also... Uh, Kirino, right? That you can relate to now, seeing it uh, in retrospect. I just find that simple shit in the first episode, like, I don't know, like, uh, Kyosuke's mom walking in on him, right? And him trying to fucking, like, hide the DVDs oh, and shit. Oh, that's... Right? That's relatable, man. That is relatable. I, I think everyone can relate to that. You know, it, when when I was watching that originally, even in the rewatch, I'm like, shit, man, I need to delete all <laughs> of my porn. I need to, like, hide my mouse mad. I need to do all of this shit. But I mean, I think uh, even now, I th it is kind of relatable for anyone, even if you don't watch anime. Like, you've got that, that, like, interest. <laughs> the paranoia. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I, I felt paranoid when the mum went in and then she was like... <sighs> Oh, I know that you have this and you have that and you're playing Yeah, she just calls game. him out on it right away. I was I'm like, like, fucking hell, man. Like, imagine anyone's mom doing that. How would you feel? You'd be like, kill me. Like, kill me now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly that reaction, right? That relatability that makes him kind of charming as a man character. But also, what it surprised me was uh, Kirino. I wasn't really, I just knew that she was like a sundere or whatever, right? I wasn't expecting much of her character. But the reason why I find her really relatable is that even her brother, right? Nobody in her family knew that she was into this until the first episode. And I relate hard to that because like if you're to meet me outside, uh, you know, at school or just at community events or whatever, right? You, you wouldn't guess that I'm into that sort of thing. And it's the same thing for my roommates. Like one of my roommates, uh, Greg, right? He's just like this buff, Haitian dude, right? He listens to, like hip hop and rap and shit. Like he's the last fucking person that you'd think is into anime, but he is, right? So me and my friends, we're kind of like th this group of like closeted otakus in a way. Right. Even for me, Kevin, I'll tell you something about my life. Like I was like that after Orimo, actually, I kind of got into a lot of stuff that was mentioned in there because I thought, wow, this is cool. This is kind of motivational. I saw Kirino struggle and I saw how happy she was because of anime, because of Eroge and because of manga. And I kind of got into a lot of Eroge. You know, I got into Eroge, I got into Galge. <laughs> I know this sounds weird. And that's why Daniil, I did mention it in the God Only Knows episode. I mentioned that Daniil suggested God Only Knows to me because I was into that kind of stuff. But Orima was the anime to get me into that kind of stuff. At first, I was kind of closeted like you. And I kind of, in a sense, I still am. But at the same time, I think what, what changed me was when I was in university, when there was this um, gentleman that was just take, like taking the piss out of anime fans. And they were, he was calling me a weeaboo. And I was just like, you know what? I've had enough. I'm going to bring my Opai mouse pad in. And I did. <laughs> I was just like, fuck you guys. I'm I'm a weeb. Like, just, like I, I owned ah, it. Okay. But I mean... I kind of felt forced into doing that because I, I just couldn't handle the shame anymore. And I think it, it's important for all of us out there, like not to really give a shit about what other people think. And that's something that uh, Kyosuke does mention within the anime time and time again. I get it. Like there is family to worry about and there's this and there's that. But I mean, what makes you happy makes you happy and you can't really 
deny yourself of that. I think that's one of the the main messages of the show. And whether or not that is something that you know is that is fictional, like the show is, or whether that that you can really apply, I think that's a whole another point of contention. That's a whole another can of worms that we can discuss later on, right? And I think that it's just it's complicated, man. It is complicated because at the same time you're like, yeah, I really get this show, really feel for what the character is going through. Right, and you can relate to them in that sense, but at the same time, you're like, I don't know how this would work if you were to try it in real life, you know? I don't know, because for, for me, for example, uh, back in high school, right, I would have no fucking posters in my room related to anime at all. And even now, right, coming back from, uh, I, came, I went to Otokuthon here in Montreal mid-August with my roommates, and we all bought posters, right? But me and Greg, the two more uh, closeted guys, we only bought posters that weren't that were, I hate to say this, but like quote unquote tasteful, right? So there's like a, a Black Lagoon poster, right? And there's like a Samurai Champloo poster. None of them are etchy at all in, in any sense. Because you mentioned that you don't have any etchy posters. Like I think you mentioned before. No, no. When I to- told you about my mouse pad collection, you were like, if I had that, I would get disowned. I would get disowned, man. <laughs> if they have more etchy sort of items or any sort of slightly sexualized items, they would be disowned by their family. They'll look at them like saying, what the fuck? Me, on the other hand, I've got a wall of opai. Like, I've got my mouse mad mounted on the wall. I've got, like, my <laughs> Senran Kagura, like, I've got Senran Kagura artwork framed. That's because I kind of, I don't want to say got over it. I just stopped giving a shit. But I know everyone is different. But do you still feel the same way? Like, do you still feel that if I do have any sort of more weeaboo style things or more, like, otaku things in your living space you feel that people will see it and then treat you differently kind of like how kiruno was treated differently from ayase i really think so. honestly i don't want to spoil too much about you know ayase and her character right but i i do think so i think that th- one of the strengths of the show is just how how real it is man like you can relate to everything because you can really tell that the writer knew what he was doing right uh like i was like this might as well be in <laughs> an autobiography in a way you know, bar the eroge part, right? It's something that is really authentic, in my opinion. But my question for you now is, what what moments really, like, struck out to you? Like, what really caught your attention in the show? What caught my attention is the more tense moments. What episodes really leap into your mind right now? I'm, I can't remember the episode names or numbers. It's the one where they went to Comicat, the end of that episode specifically. So it's the one where right before, like, the whole ISA scandal happens, right? Well, it kind of is the ISA scandal. It's like the end of the ISA scandal into the beginning of it, right? So it's when ISA was doing a shoot nearby and then she sees Kirino, she says hello, and then she feels that something's off. So she, you know, she wants to see what's in the bag and she rips the bag open. She picks it up from the floor and she reads the doujin and she was just like, we can't be friends anymore. The one thing that kind of got me at the beginning of that altercation was when ISA asked, do you know these weirdos? And then she was like, no, I don't know them. And like, she kind of disowns them, right? Kind of threw them under the bus, yeah. I was assuming that they were going to feel differently and they'll be like, oh, Kirino, you bitch. But, you know, both Sayori and Kuruneko understood it. They understood. They were okay with it. It still hurt them, don't get me wrong, but they they were okay with it because they understand that that's what happens in this community. Yeah, yeah. And that, that felt real to me and myself because there were moments in my life where I was like, I don't know them, I don't know those weebs. And, <laughs> you know, it's, it's gone in the, in the wrong direction, right? It's gone in the direction yeah. where people were upset with me because I just, 
I insulted them and then people find out that I'm a, you know, otaku and then it's like, well, now I have no friends. I don't have otaku friends and I don't have quote unquote normal friends, right? I thought that similar thing was going to happen. I just felt really shitty, you know, when I saw she just read them and she didn't do anything. She just closed it and she said, oh, we can't be friends. That, that got me hard. That's episode five, actually. Because episode four, if I'm correctly, that's when it ends with like, you know, uh, yes, popping up. But episode five is when the shit hits the fan again. And actually, that's the episode that I have the most notes on, not gonna lie, because that was a roller coaster of an episode for me. Because I was, for me, the reaction wasn't like, oh, I feel like shit. I was, I was just like, I didn't understand what was going on. I was kind of fucking furious at the beginning because I was like, this is such a train wreck of an interaction. How, like, how does it go from having a normal conversation with someone to you ripping open someone's bag and you know just like it, it was just so much drama in such a short period of time right and i was like this is so over the top and unrealistic i don't see this happening in real life right this is so melodramatic no one is actually going to come up to you and just grab your hand and say i don't want you to leave no i get it 100 percent. and i think that's a flaw with the show in itself they could have started that you know at the end of the last episode and kind of worked their way to that within the other episode don't get me wrong but um, i kind of see it in a way because you know if you're worried about your friend and and stuff you're always gonna sort of thing but i think she had a feeling that the friend wasn't otaku right because she did say oh that i can't hang out with you because of x y and z and she lied so uh, when you when you see your friends and they've lied to you of course you're gonna probe a bit so i think that's maybe what she's doing and i i don't kind of fault her for doing it i don't know i, I can see why she did it i just found initially that it was it's kind of blown out of proportion right so it went from at the beginning right i actually listed it is one of my least favorite episodes right oh, off the wow. bat just because of that interaction, right? And it's really surprising. The reason why I, I like this episode so much is that I started out, you know, noting this down is the least favorite episode. And by the end of the episode, I'd erase that and it is amongst my favorite episodes, if not my favorite episode of this season, actually. Why is that? Just because of the aftermath and, and the impact on the other characters. Really, It really made me stop and think, you know? Just a fun fact. On the day that I was watching that episode, I was planning, I was like, all right, I'm gonna get through like four episodes today, take notes for all of them. And I started with episode five and I didn't have time for the other episodes that day. It was just episode five because I really had to stop and think before I really took my notes because they didn't reflect upon you know, what it means to be part of this community, right? What outsiders and other people think of it, right? It really, it's an introspection on the meta, on what it means to be part of this otaku culture. While it can be frustrating, I find that the episode does an excellent job at showing what, why otakus have such a negative image in the public, right? Because I wasn't expecting her to mention the, the whole, you know, oh yeah, there was this, I believe, a, a serial killer or a serial like rapist or whatever who, who said that, oh, I play these Oroge games, right? And that, that paints a very negative light on this community uh, from the point of view of outsiders, right? So I, I, I totally understood that, but oh yeah, I totally with Ayase, right? It, it's unreasonable. I, I think that, you know, with lollies and stuff, it's a really fine line, right? It's really controversial and it remains controversial to this day, but what really made me click was that, oh my God, these are the exact same arguments that are being brought up when people are talking about mass shootings, right? Oh yeah, like, FPSs make people violent, they make them go on shootings and stuff. And I'm like, I can't say that violent games don't lead to mass violence and then turn around and shit on other people in this community for the same thing, right? I'd be a hypocrite. So this episode, right, Ayase's points and, you know, Kirino's defense of her, her hobbies and shit, that made me reflect upon 
you know, the, the issues that we're facing as a community, the, the stigma that we're facing. You know what I mean? Uh, that's actually something that I wanted to bring up because, yeah, you did mention it. These are the same arguments that we're having in real life, you know? Mm -hmm. the, yeah. There are countless news articles that say, oh, games cause violence and people that play Call of Duty start shooting people. And it's like, when in reality, if you probe them a little bit more, it's not the game that is the issue. It's, it's the individual. And he says it in the anime. He was like, look, not all of them are like this. Not all otaku are bad people. There are some, but it's not the majority. But I, I think that even if we don't want to talk about it, we kind of have to. I think that's the great thing about this show. Because before, right, you know, you're just watching anime, whatever, you're minding your own business. But this really forces you to to think about what it means to, to have this as a hobby, right? It's impact on your social standing, I'd say, right? It opens up a whole can of worms that people don't normally want to talk about. And I think that's what makes it great. One thing that I do want to mention is obviously there's the stigma behind someone being an otaku, not just because of these sort of incidents that mentioned in the anime. And this is a personal thing. When I say to someone, hey, I like anime, like that's one of my hobbies. They instantly go to like hentai. They're like, oh, you like hentai? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. No, I like anime, but I'm, I'm into hentai, don't get me wrong, but I'm like, <laughs> I like anime, right? Bish is an honest man. <laughs> I'm, I'm an honest man because, you know, I've had enough of this bullshit. That's the first place that people go to because that's what they're told. This is anime and this is otakus and all otakus are like fat bastards that are just jerking off in their basement. That's what people think when they think otaku. They don't yeah. understand that even the word otaku is like, it's an obsession, it's a passion. Because you can get train otaku, you can get car otaku, like the amount of people, there are people that go and meet up for car meetups. Correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is that, you know, otaku in the West just means someone who's into anime. But That's if you correct. were to call somebody an otaku in Japan, it actually has a negative connotation, if I'm not mistaken, you know? Because you're like overly obsessed with it. But not necessarily with anime. There are people that are, I mentioned before, car otaku, like different types of otaku. Otaku is like an obsession. It just means that this person has a particular obsession with a particular thing. It tends to be associated more with anime only because there are more fans of anime more than anything, I would presume. Because there's a mm. whole industry based around it. There's a whole town in Japan, Akihabara, that is kind of based around it. It kind of upsets me when I say to someone, hey, I'm, I'm into anime. And they're like, oh, aren't you this, aren't you that? And I'm like, well, <laughs> everyone has their hobbies. Like, there are people that are into trains. There are people that are into sneakers and they just love collecting shoes. Do you see what I mean? So I don't understand why being an otaku is very stigmatized. I know in Japan, it might have been the case that there were some incidents that happened in the 70s and the 80s and it's just kind of stigmatized it as you see with the dad well i mean if i'm not mistaken it's still an issue even in japan today right even if you're you're japanese and you're otaku and you live in japan if i'm not mistaken it's still there's still this stigma associated with it it's a stigma but at the same time there's an industry that's making a lot of money from otaku it's an industry that is airing these shows on tv like the fact that orimo in itself had a tv airing in japan i don't understand why that stigmatization is still there if it's so out in the open so it's it's a weird one because it's out in the open yet it's all hidden like no one's going to admit that they watch this shit even if they do even if they enjoy it and that's that's upsetting to me it is it is it's interesting that you say that because for me even though i really relate to this show i'm still like okay this show has helped me kind of understand the community better right it, it's funny because actually after this show i started hanging up some some posters in my room right mm. nothing not safe for work mind you but still 
I hung up some posters related to anime, which was like a huge step forward from what I've done a few years ago. I would never have done that before, right? But I'm still at a point where like me and my roommate, are, my two roommates are both into anime, but me and my roommate Greg in particular, we talk about this all the time, right? And we're like, especially him being at a business school, right? A prestigious business school. The words anime would never leave your lips mm. ever, right? Especially for him, because uh, the moment you, you, you say it, the moment you're associated with that, they people put a label on you. Boom, right away. It's like you're a delinquent. Yeah, no, there, there was literally an incident where he was at a party, right? And there's this guy going around, like just popular kids, right? And like, uh, he, he's pretty well connected. And anyways, there's this guy going around, you know, just pointing at people like, hey, yo, have you guys heard of like this shit called anime, right? And obviously Greg just like shut him off and he's like, I don't know what the fuck that is. And <laughs> basically, they just went around like fucking laughing at, at people in the community, right? So it sucks that this shit happens, but it varies much still is a thing. It's looked down upon by other people, unfortunately. Even though I really get this show, right? And it has helped me, right? You still gotta be careful and prudent with the way that you deal with this in public, in my opinion. The way that my mentality has changed to watching this is before I was like, I really gotta hide this and I've got my podcast, but I'm not really gonna mention this hobby to anyone other than my roommates and friends that are, who are also into it. So now where I'm like, you know what? I'm still not gonna mention it outside at school and stuff unless I know that the other person is also into it, but I'll at least, you know, put up some posters and stuff. Whatever happens in my room is my business, right? People, like, if they wanna judge me for that, then whatever, they can fuck off, right? But yeah, I, I still think that ugh, there's just so much prejudice and stigma around it that you, you still, uh, even now, right? After it's blown up, after there are more legal streaming services than ever before with like Crunchyroll Funimation, Netflix, and you know, all those other services, it's as popular as ever. But even now, like decades after uh, it was brought uh, over here from Japan, there's still the stigma that persists. So you gotta be careful with that. That's the way I see it. Once again, I don't know why they would have laughed at that, but I think it's mainly because people see, they see anime as like this etchy sort of thing, right? I don't know where yeah, they get I, their sources from. The the media that, you know, covers anime is kind of biased, right? Because when people talk about violent games, for example, right? They'll show shit like Doom, right? People like with lots of gore and stuff. And they'll they'll show footage of violent games and they'll like cut to like, you know, mass shooters. And they're like, oh, we can clearly see that, you know, they use video games to train and stuff and whatever, right? To push their narrative. So the way that it's portrayed in media is all very biased. And it's the exact same way uh, with shows, right? You don't hear about, I don't know, ReZero you don't hear about Black Lagoon, like anime that have basically equivalents to normal shows, right? Normal media, they always cherry pick the shit that makes anime look bad, like, you know, like Oroge and stuff, right? Or like very frequently stuff related to Loli content, you know what I mean? So obviously the public's gonna have a very skewed perception of the community. And also other than that whole, you know, oh, it's, erotic and stuff that that perception that people have that you know oh all anime is like hentai basically other than that there's also something that you mentioned before right uh if you were to ask the average joe right they'll know about like pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh and dragon ball and all that but they'll associate that with you know oh that's that's stuff for kids right because it aired on like cartoon channels for kids uh, back when they were young so it's, that's an interesting thing as well because even within the anime kirino's favorite anime is meruru right and meruru is a show that's made for kids 
Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like bronies, basically. You know, shows like My Little Pony, right? They have such a mass following with older gentlemen or, or people that the show wasn't necessarily made for. Mm-hmm. They're also another stigmatized people as well. But I mean, definitely, it's, it's an interesting thing. Yeah, a show can be designed in a certain way for a particular audience. It's not restricted to that. Yeah, right? exactly. It's not like, oh, only this target demographic is allowed to enjoy this right and we see that even with Merudu in the show right because Kuruneko's sister loves it and she's drawing pictures like oh I'm drawing Merudu and she's just fucking exasperated that's it and you see Kirino and she's saying well there's episodes on the DVDs where it's like uncensored and I was like if this is a kid show why 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 does it need to be censored like do you see what you know what I'm saying so it's clear that in the show that you know that there is content out there that is made for a specific audience but it also is for another audience at the same time and we see that even in kids shows as well in the west and i don't know why anime is treated in such a way and i know we can get on for hours and hours and talk about this but i kind of really want to talk about other favorite moments that i had oh yeah within this anime because we kind of went on along i believe it was episode six do you know which one i'm talking about kevin episode six i also know that is one of my favorite moments um there's no way my childhood friend can be this cute that's the official name of the episode yes it's a great episode it really is it's basically filler but i've never seen filler in any anime that's actually so entertaining i think it was needed like i don't say this often but i think it was really needed you think the filler was needed this is what i wrote in my notes i think it was needed because the first five episodes were really fucking intense just think about it in episode what is it episode three already episode like one two and three is already about you know oh the confrontation with the dad and stuff for being her trying to come out to her family about her hobby right and it ends with uh kyosuke confronting his father and then episode four and five right that's about <laughs> confronting uh, ISA, right? So the first five episodes are basically just them trying to confront different people in Kiruno's life about her hobby, right? So it's super dramatic and intense and shit. And it, it, you need a break from that, right? It's all well and good, but you, you need a bit of laughs once in a while, something to cool down the tension, right? So I think episode five was really needed we needed some diversity in the show not that there weren't any funny moments in the first episodes but in episode five you really feel that you know hey not only are we getting a break from these super uh serious controversial topics you're also getting a look into kyosuke's uh life right because in the first five episodes and i would say for most of the show you don't really get to know much about Kyosuke. You get to see him in action and stuff, his personality, but it's always in relation to Kirino. You never see him on his own. You never see him without Kirino in the picture. And episode five, or episode six, my bad, gives you uh, a look into that. That's true. And um, I think also what I like about it is just it's such a cute episode. <laughs> I know that's so shitty. It is. It's shitty for me to say that. Like, that's not a really good answer. But I mean, for me, as you said, yeah, it kind of breaks attention, but I'm just like, I want them like i want that lifestyle you know what i'm saying like i see that and I, mm-hmm. i'm envious <laughs> it's, it's such a weird quirky episode it's like the, the granddad is like you think he's dead and he's like oh fucking hell like is this is this how this episode is gonna be honestly i, I thought of nichiju when i was watching episode six honestly just the, the the way that it was done right the comedic moments yeah of course man it's like it builds on each other and the fact that even the grandparents want are shipping basically the grandparents are like shipping them the grandparents made the episode honestly like <laughs> do, do you know what gets me the most the fact that the granddad was like did you guys do it like i was like yeah, I, I, was know. Like, I was like, what the what? fuck? Yeah, what the fuck? Like, 
me, me as a granddad, I'm not gonna go to my grandson or my granddaughter and be like, did you guys fuck? No, but you don't understand though. Like, uh, I, I don't know how it is in Egyptian culture, but in Asian culture, it's always like, in, in, up until high school, it's like, no, 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 don't get into relationships. Don't think about sex. It, you, you must focus on your your studies and bring honor to the family, right? And after, as soon as, as, soon as you go to high school, it's like, where are my grandchildren? <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> it's a similar culture with us. I think in Arab culture is the same, but it's more like, oh, you're not allowed to talk to people until you get married. I'm like, what the fuck? How? What? Like, what? Like, by the way, when can I expect you to get married? Where, where's your spouse? <laughs> but, yeah. Well, yeah, at the same time. It's like, you get to a certain age, you're not allowed to talk to girls. You're not allowed to talk to guys. You're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to do that. And then you hit a certain age, and it's like, come on. Yeah, it's I like, want I want you to get married and have grandkids. I'm like, come on. Yeah. Like, if I can't talk to people, how, how am I going to get into relationships? <laughs> yeah. How does this work? Yeah, that's the kind of thing I saw. So when I see that, I'm like, shit. In general, like, I don't have childhood friends like that. I don't have, you know, the whole childhood romance thing. Do you know what I'm saying, right? Like someone yeah, that yeah, you grew no, up with you. and, you know, over time you fall in love with. I didn't have that. You know, I didn't even go out to anyone else's house. So this was weird for me when I saw that. I was like, wow, I never went to anyone's houses when I was a kid. Never mind. Even now, I don't go to people's houses. Like, do you know what I mean? So I saw that and I was a bit envious of that. I was like, I want that. You know, I, you know, I saw that and I was like, that granddad's a nice guy. He's a weirdo, but he's a nice guy. And the grandma also also want them to fuck you know the fact that they put them in the same room i died when he went to his room and he was like fuck where's my bed i don't see my bed <laughs> and then she comes running out and they check her room there's like two beds side by side mm. right and they're like the grandparents just like snickering in the corner it fucking killed me. Do you know what else got me? When she was like, oh, I got you a bath. And then she's trying to tease him. And she was like, well, we're going to bathe together. And then he he just goes and he plays along with it. He was like, yeah, we're going to bathe together. And I'm going to show you my manhood. And then she just got so scared. She was like, grandma, can we bathe together? She was like panicking. And then grandma was like, <laughs> yeah, why don't you bathe together? I was like, fucking hell. Grandma, she's doing a solid. I'm not going to lie. She's reverse cock blocking. I don't know how that is. Yeah. It's, it's those comedic moments. But it's also like, it's that sense of family as well because they see him as family they see him yeah. as this son-in-law effectively that's what they see him as and i like that it's nice it's a nice feeling it's a weird one at the same time because it, 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 i see kioske and i'm like are you a fucking dance man you've got a good thing in front of you i don't know why you you're denying like this girl and you're calling her grandma and you're like oh uh if someone goes out with her i'm gonna beat the shit out of the guy like he's not into her but at the same time he's weirdly protective you know it's a funny dynamic it's a funny dynamic i mean effectively that now that you brought it up, you know, the grandparents see him as a son-in-law, but un like subconsciously, he probably sees himself as her older brother in a way, even though I think they're the same age, yeah, for the right? Most part. I think that's how the, the dynamic is. They're like siblings almost and yeah that, that's a good point because he does mention he was like aren't we too old to be sleeping in the same room he sees it as that mm -hmm, dynamic yeah. which is interesting but i feel bad for her in that sense another favorite episode of mine is the confrontation with the dad i was gonna bring that up because i was worried that you you skipped it because you were heading towards the end there yeah even though in my opinion it's in the same vein sort of is i guess his confrontation i do think it needs a, a mention it's like what stood out to you in that when he's defending kirino he has no reason to defend kirino right but he kind of sees it as this thing that this is her hobby this is a part of herself when he said that he was like this is her the studying is her this and this and this is her but this is also her you're trying to take a piece of her away from her and that, mm -hmm. that that got me i was like shit man it was very heartfelt it was very it heartfelt was... yeah and i was like he's not doing this because he likes kirino because he said many times that he hates kirino but he's doing this to 
as like a protection because he knows that that is the person. Yeah, he, he doesn't understand it, but he respects it, which, you know, which is insane considering he got initiated to this like, what, a few days prior, right? So. And the fact that he was willing to basically have his dad disown him to protect his own family, that, that I had mad props for. Especially because he was thinking like, how am I going to get away with this? Or what am I going to say? And he was like, it was my game. And the dad just yeah. punched him. <laughs> assaulted him and he was just like oh so you're playing obscene games about loving your sister in your sister's room and then he just whacked him and he's like you're a worthless son well, when i heard that i was like fuck <laughs> imagine Damn. imagine your parents saying that to you, you're a worthless son because you play arrogate and that i kind of panicked a little bit because i'm like i don't play that style of arrogate but i mean like if someone saw the arrogate that i play i don't want to be called a worthless son you know what i'm saying like i gotta <laughs> i gotta be careful i mean it was a great episode because you had everything you had the emotion you kind of had that violence in the sense of the fight and you had a resolution to it as well so i think in itself that was a very great episode it's a very cathartic episode in my opinion in what sense i feel that you know yes uh his speech defending uh his sister is really important but something that really hit me was just how again how heartfelt kuno's speech was she was like look you have to accept this because it's it's what I do, right? I'm not hurting anyone. I'm not, it's not affecting my grades. It's not affecting my social life. It's just something I do on the side for myself. And that's part of who I am. And I have to be true to myself, right? If you, you take that away from me, it's kind of like destroying a piece of me, right? That th th just, it was so genuine that I felt that she was like breaking the fourth wall in that moment. And she was talking directly to the, to viewer. the viewer. Yeah. Honestly, that's how I feel, right? It's shitty that even today, there's so much stigma that surrounds the community and people can't really, you know, be honest and upfront about what they like, what their hobbies are, right? Just because it's badly seen, right? Not like most people in the community, are, they aren't really hurting anyone. They're not something negative, right? So I don't see why people should treated as such i just want to build up on that like the way that i see it is that if you're not hurting anyone or anything do what you do do you know what i mean like, yeah yeah if you enjoy something i don't think you should be ashamed of enjoying like shoujo manga or like if you really like shit like meruru right like you shouldn't be ashamed of that shit like it makes you you so be proud of it and that's with any hobby or anything that you love or anyone that you love as well so i think that's that is something that is is a pertinent point and a theme within this anime other than that i think that's all of my favorite episodes and moments so what, what are your favorites? Okay, well, man, the last two here, actually, I didn't write too much context. I don't remember what those episodes were about, but I don't know in episode 10, what I really liked was that it was really refreshing and wholesome to see how far their relationship progressed since the beginning, right? Because Kirino, like, she kind of ignored her brother, right? She kind of hated him in a sense at the beginning. And in episode 10, if I'm not mistaken, that's when she gifts him a game, right? So just to see that evolution in terms of both their characters, see their dynamic evolve, that I think speaks volumes about how well those characters were written, right? So I just found episode 10 really refreshing and wholesome and just seeing everyone being comfortable with what they do, right? Seeing them hang out together in that really awkward uh, hotel room. And episode 11 as well, the ending I found, so not the ending, episode 12 is the ending, but episode 11 I find could have been the ending. It was such a good way to wrap things up, right? I, I really think that they could have ended the first season here, right? You got a sense of closure from all the major characters. Yeah, I, I think point. for the most part, even episode 11 would have been a perfect ending. It would have been an ending that would have made this anime self-contained. I think the reason that they had to kind of continue it from there was because obviously the way that the light novel is and the, the fact that this is a sort of CISCON anime in that sense, they kind of had to lean it towards that before the end of the season. Because you do see that throughout the rest of the season, but I think they, they had to sort of extend it in that sense. 
sense so that they can put that part in oh yeah definitely they didn't really have a choice but i found it was it was such a nice way to wrap things up just having another episode after that it felt kind of weird you know i completely agree is there any other favorites that you've got i think that's about it really yeah that, that's all i have for for my favorite moments well, the way that the anime is sort of paced is great because every couple of episodes you do get a filler or a filler style episode but as you mentioned before it doesn't really feel like filler it kind of gives us an insight into other characters and their relationships with each other etc the story itself i think it gets very conversational in the beginning and then towards the end kind of dies down and becomes a sort of a slice of life type show it, it changes halfway through the season which i do appreciate but i mean i would have liked it to see a bit more altercations with between characters, etc. Really? Yeah. Uh, I kind of felt burnt out after the first five episodes. And I was like, I want more of this. I like this. You want more? Yeah, no, the I... anime excels in that sense. Do you see what I mean? For me, I was like, look, we, I found that as good as the first five episodes are, the confrontation with the dad and the confrontation with ISA, they're kind of, it's kind of like a deja vu because at the end of the day, the same thing's happening. You're just, you're forced to confront these different people about your hobby, right? We, we've seen it before. And I was like, I don't think that, like we get the point by now. She needs to be, herself and people should be able to enjoy this be part of this community without being stigmatized it, like it's been repeated twice now and that's why i was really happy again with episode six is that we got a break from that that tension and all that serious stuff and we're finally able to see kirino you know uh kind of enjoy herself without being forced to fight off uh other people all the time and like defend her hobbies right so i find that it's a natural progression for me honestly you know yes she had to confront people about it at the beginning but people around her who are important to her have come to terms with her hobby and she's able to more or less you know enjoy her hobby you know without fear of being judged for once I didn't really necessarily see it like that, but I, the way that I saw it, it was just like, it kind of died down a little bit and I kind of wanted to see more of it because it was very exciting how it was. Do you see what I mean? But how could they have continued this? You know, though? I don't know how they could have, to be honest with you, because it's like, there isn't much in way of doing that. It, it wouldn't feel natural. I'd rather them, you know, do what they did and move on. Do you think it would have been beneficial to have had the altercation with ISA later on? I think it would have been, that'd been interesting. Yeah, it's like, she thinks everything is good. You know, everything's well with her father and all that and then boom oh shit there's this like yeah because it was card. literally yeah. an episode after each other and i think the fact that they went out to comicat so early on wasn't that great because it's like you're going to comicat you don't really necessarily know these people another thing that i want to mention about the story is that everything seems to happen just magically what, what do you mean because kiruno is like a mary sue in that sense like she's the perfect character like quote unquote so how is it that she wrote a novel and then she she's getting an anime like do you see what i mean it's going so quickly then again you could play the devil's advocate and be like the only reason she got published and she got the adaptation is because they something got cancelled and they just had to make something and they're like oh there's some random shit that's being written let's pop let's uh yeah but i mean she show. got she got published before obviously the anime so that and now that i think about it actually bish you did forget about it because there what there were more altercations with the fucking director in the show i completely forgot about that but there was a whole you know him having to confront the director and shit about well, that, that was a shitty thing i'm not gonna lie i didn't i didn't enjoy that yeah i forgot about it completely too but there were more altercations yeah but so... it wasn't altercations between kirino and it was just shit it was like okay cool kuroneko just went in and berated him but i was like okay there's no fun in that that arc in itself didn't need to be there to begin with do you, do you understand like i feel that if you could take that whole um making an anime and that arc was just removed i would have appreciated that really yeah man no i, I gotta disagree there because if anything i find that 
it kind of felt forced to me. Like it was just going too quickly. I didn't like that. Okay, let's admit it that it did go a bit quickly, but I, I do think that it was refreshing to, to get this kind of luck into the workings of the industry, right? Because it, it's all, all rainbows and flowers and shit, right? People, uh, I think it's really relatable to people even outside of the, the community, right? Who are into like games and shit or just publishing, pub publishing normal books, right? Like what you want as an author, as a content creator and what gets produced, those are two completely different things, right? You can't, uh, it's a complicated process. And I think that they, they showed that really well. There was no need to put that out unless it was like a dig to AIC. How, how do you determine if there's, there's a need for something? I, I don't get that. I mean, it's it just doesn't need to be there, Kevin. It just felt like it was tacked on. I didn't see any sort of like worth to that episode because I mean, we could have got it in a, something else or we could have just skipped to a more like useful episode in terms of plot. I think that was just, it was ridiculous. Okay, cool. She got upset because they didn't like her, her ideas and I get it, but it's more of the same. So that's why I didn't like that episode. That's what confuses me though. You're like, I don't want more of the same, but I want more altercations, right? Like for me, I was like, I'm kind of done with this. Can we move on, please? Like, I get it. Stop ramming it down my throat, you know? I don't know, Kevin. It's, it's a weird one because it's like, I want to see more altercation with Kirino. I want to see Kirino defend herself because it's always the case that it's the brother defending Kirino in both situations. But she does defend herself. Well, she defends she herself does... with the dad, but it's not like she didn't get punched by the dad. It's always the brother that's getting the brunt of it. I, I want her to sort of see how she gets out of those situations properly not i don't want her to rely on her brother do you, do you understand what i'm saying other than that in the story now like we've been talking about the altercations and the drama for the entire episode now so one question that i'd like to ask you is do you think that this show is misleading and what i mean by that is that if i'm not mistaken i'll check right now on country roll what are the tags for Oremo. I think it's like romance and uh let's see drama romance comedy size of life so like I thought it was like a rom-com right those, those are like two of the main tags and I feel that there's surprisingly like there's some comedy but there's really little romance okay and that's where I want to jump in bear in mind a lot of these companies like Crunchyroll Funimation even when they air it on TV they're airing it based on the light novel and they're airing it based on the manga so if the manga no matter where in it uh, has romance in it they'll class it as a romance and in itself Oremo is a romance and it is a it's like a romantic comedy in the vein of like Haganai but like for example we don't really see that sort of romantic theme coming into Haganai until the second season it's the same with Oremo you don't see the theme of romance until the second season I'd have to disagree there because at least with Haganai, you know, there's the, the, the whole premise is, oh yeah, actually you and Senna are like promised to each other or whatever, right? So, I mean, there's the question of, oh, will he choose his childhood friend or like, you know, will he pick Senna or whatever, right? Whereas I never really felt that question here. I never really felt like, oh man, like who's he going to fall for, right? Hey, you didn't see it in season one. In season two, it, there it comes to, a, and I, I know we don't talk about second season, but in season two, it comes to a point where he has to choose. And it's basically, it becomes this massive harem with all of the characters. They somehow fall in love with him. He has to choose. I would not classify the first season as a rom-com. No. So what would you classify as? I, I agree with the drama. I agree with comedy, but I don't see it as a romance. It's true. I don't, I don't necessarily see it as a romance, but you do see it uh, in particular points when Kirino is playing the games, right? And then she was saying, oh, it's not the same. Like when she's buying the, the ring and the, the, the earrings and she wants the brother to buy the earrings for her. I think you're kind of stretching it there. No, because she does say, it's like, oh, it's different when you're getting a gift from someone you love. And then she turns around and she's like, do you know what I mean? So you see the sparks of a romance starting to form within the first no season. i i completely disagree i gotta 
completely disagree there. I find that, oh, the way they frame it, yeah, sure, it could be like, oh, she's into him or whatever. But the way I saw it was time and time again, right? Each time that he defends her hobbies, that he defends her interests, it is as her big brother that he does I'm it. not talking about Kyosuke, I'm talking about Kirino. Kirino is, is thinking about it differently. I don't know, maybe she was just really sundere, but I, I just don't see that dynamic. I don't think that within the first season, if you if we just consider what happens within the first 12 episodes, um, I really don't see the relationship as a romantic one. And even later on, I don't, personally, I didn't really see Kirino's uh, treatment of Kyosuke is a romantic one. She was just trying to, you know, like normalize her relationship with, with him, try to have a normal brother-sister relationship, right? You know, like, and that to me is shown, for example, when she's trying to give him a gift, right? Some people could be like, oh yeah, it's kind of like when a, a Sundari character in an anime, you know, is really nervous about doing nice things. But for me, it was just like, the fact is at the beginning, they had a very abnormal, a very strained relationship as siblings. And by the end, they were trying to repair it and they did repair that's how I saw it and I, I never saw it at any point as oh they're into each other you know it, it just doesn't seem natural to me it is what it is in terms of the tags like the tags aren't necessarily something that is based on the first or second season it's based off the light novel that it was based on do you see what I'm saying mm -hmm. so yeah I, I don't yeah, think definitely. you can make it that much of a point it, I don't really say that it is like misleading or anything like that the show in itself I'm not saying that it's like intentionally misleading or something it's just that like if if you were to tell me hey uh, if you're rom-coms check the show out honestly if you're going into the show expecting a rom-com for the first five episodes at least you'll be kind of disappointed the, the funny thing is kevin i didn't necessarily introduce this show saying it was a rom-com and, and even for me when it was introduced daniel didn't say to me it was a rom-com he was like oh this is a comedy based around otaku culture you should watch it so i mean that's how it should be portrayed I, i'm not saying that that's you know how you you were trying to ship it but it's just like you know if someone were browsing uh country wall of animation or you know my anime list or whatever and looking at the tags they might have this skewed idea of what the show is and it might affect the way that they they treat it mm. you know okay yeah no i can't i can't disagree with you yeah i was thinking of it because of assassination classroom i thought it was one thing and it was another thing completely and it kind of ruined my my experience with it honestly and i'm just like that might happen to someone with this show and that would be a really big shame you know because it is a very solid show it just is it doesn't happen to be a rom-com in my in my opinion you defended that well i mean other than that was, was there anything else that you wanted to to bring about up about the story any themes that were really important um, to you i think we we've mentioned? already discussed the main themes about the whole otaku culture etc so for me i have nothing much to say on the story other than other than the other episodes that i want to bring up the secret episodes. In, in story one last question that i noted here was what do you think about the ending or do you want to leave that for later no we'll talk about the ending we had a slight discussion before the episode i asked you which episode did you watch what was the ending <laughs> and you're like episode 12 yeah, yeah and i was ending. like what the fuck what, what do you mean like there's there's one ending like what, what are you talking about there's there are 12 episodes in country roll when i originally watched the show i wasn't using any sort of services like country roll or anything like that originally when i first watched i watched 15 episodes of orimo because there was an original net animation uh which is like an ova but it was an aired on the internet um at the time uh in 2010 so that contains the true ending so if you go to crunch roll now episode 12 will be 
my little sister's advice can't end here. And I only noticed this when you brought it up to me today. At the very end of the title, there's in parentheses, in all caps, it says good end. That's <laughs> interesting, right? A good end. And there's a true end. So the first episode of the OVAs is the true end. And that is where I don't want... Oh, I'm going to spoil it for you guys because obviously if you're going to want to watch season two, it kind of makes sense. Because in season two, it starts from when she Kirino comes back from America. In the true ending for Orimo season one, she leaves to go to America without telling Kyosuke. So the ending that we saw on Crunchyroll, they kind of have an argument about them leaving. Like she says to him, I'm going to the US for a track training thing. And they have that altercation there and she decides not to leave. So that's the- But in the true end, does she just never bring it she up? She doesn't bring it up. So that whole argument is not there. He gives the game to her and then he goes to sleep. He wakes up the next day. She's not there. The parents tell them, oh, look, your sister's gone to America. We tried to stop her, but she went to America. She bathed herself, uh, etc. And then it starts off the next school year and he's walking and he sees Kuruneko and Kuruneko's like, hey, senpai. And then it ends then. How, how long does she end up staying in America? For uh, she stays in America, I think, for like a couple of months. Like one or two months or something like that. I thought it was like, I'm going to finish high school in America or something no, dramatic no, no. I like that. I think she's there for like a couple of months for like summer training camp, basically. That makes it so much less dramatic though. And it's, you know, I'm going to be away for a few months versus like, I'm going to be away for a couple of years to train. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's how, how she's going there. But I mean, that that's not there in the original ending. I want to know your opinion on it. Like I, the ending that we got kind of seemed a bit shitty for me. If you end at episode Wait, what, 12. What do you mean the ending we got? Do you mean the true end the, or the good I end? I mean the good end, not the true end. So the end, the ending that you're going to watch on Crunchyroll basically. All right. So just to be hundred percent clear, the good end that we're talking about is when she does not go to America. She stays before in Before we talk about it, right? I, I just want to make sure that every Everyone knows that this is kind of like an eroge or a galge because they're depending on your roots there is a good end and there's a true end and there's a bad end so the, the kind of anime kind of reflects that in a way which is interesting that doesn't happen in the light novel though right because it's not based off of the end it's based off of a light novel so like so i think i believe this, this is, is an from. original i'm confused so okay this okay. is an original ending the good end okay yeah so it doesn't happen in the light novel or in the manga the true ending is, is the actual ending because it kind of continues on to second season that makes sense because when i saw the good end right the whole thing about you know her laptop flipping over in slow motion and it hitting just the right spot for the game to, to unpause and them both hearing that moment you know, like i was like this is such an anime scene <laughs> like if you know what i mean this is such like this is such a good cliche like yeah, exactly. It's such a visual novel type end. Obviously, I didn't realize that there was another end, right? Because it puts everything into perspective now. Uh, but I was kind of disappointed. I was like, this is such bullshit. There's so much potential for this, right? How So, like, how does season two start from here? Is it just, like it's so bland in my opinion i was like it'd been so much more interesting if she actually does go to america for like a few years and like you know the dynamic she's grown up now and season two starts with her like you know like being in high school and the dynamic being changed between them because she was gone Right? I was like, that would have been so much better. <laughs> but obviously, that's ex that's exactly what happens in season that two. That is correct. And the funny thing is that if you're watching it on um, Crunchyroll and legal services with actually, without buying the DVDs and the Blu-rays, you don't get that experience. So you'll be watching this anime right now and you'll be like, oh shit, it ends there. But you can watch it on Netflix, can't uh, you? Netflix Japan. So not, oh, not okay. in Okay, so Europe. not even Netflix like America. No, because okay. Netflix America doesn't have the license because it's uh, Aniplex. Okay. Well, you know what? T time to 
put on my tinfoil hat here, but I, I think that, you know, the, the good people, the good people at Crunchyroll were trying to protect people. They were trying to convince viewers that Aremo ends at season one so that they wouldn't have to endure True, season two. True, but they two, have right? season that's, two that's on Crunchyroll, tinfoil theory. so I don't, I don't think well, you'll... They're, they're obligated to put season two on, on Crunchyroll, right? But I think that, like, it's a it's an act of resistance, you know? They're like... No, nah, we're, we're not going to acknowledge season two. Well, I mean, in the UK, they've <laughs> only acknowledged season two because it's not available. Season one's not available in the UK. No. <laughs> so the guy in Crunchyroll Why Europe, would you expose people to that, you know? Like, you've got some sort of evil genius in in, in the UK and you've got, like, some benevolent angel here <laughs> I th- watching I think the rest of Crunchyroll America. Crunchyroll Europe is just like, you know what? I don't like anyone, so I'm going to have <laughs> I'm gonna have to punish everyone with this. I think that's probably like, what it is. I, I had to go through, th- through season two, so y- y'all have to go and through that's the only thing well. you're going to experience that's the worst punishment by the way you're gonna have to know my pain <laughs> that's, that's the shittiest thing but that's i think that's what's going on it's an interesting thing because the good end that we get sort of encompasses orimo and makes it a a show that doesn't need to continue to a season two it just ends the show and uh, it's it's kind I of mean, perfect even, even with like, a true end i have to ask you this question but if we were to take season two out of the picture would you rather have the good end or the true end i'd rather have the good end really yeah, okay because the true end leads on to a season two i'd rather that they, it doesn't lead on to the season two even not thinking about a season two do you see <laughs> do you understand what i'm saying just don't the word two yeah i just it's illegal yeah, i just don't want a season two but i mean looking at it i think it would have ended perfectly because the, for me this anime has always always been about the otaku life and the culture etc and it's like she kind of like accepts it in a way in the end of season two right but i think a better ending would have been episode 11 anyway just just yes. just as, as it yes. is that would have been the perfect ending Completely and then they just don't there. continue orimo forever that would have been the best way to end orimo that's just my opinion um I, i'm presuming you agree right i mean i can see it both ways it's just the good end in my opinion if if you were to end it i think that the best way to do it was just end it at 11 episodes like episode 11 everything was wrapped up um everything was resolved it was a satisfying end for all the characters but if i had to choose between the good end and the true end again the good end feels really melodramatic and i was like it's not realistic at all right kind of goes against the other values of the show right which is portraying this very authentic picture of being a member of the community and i don't know about you but i've never had my laptop flip over hit the space bar and then resume playing on this visual novel at the exact moment that's a deus ex machina at that point yeah that's like orimo ex machina bullshit you know like that is next levels of of plot device i I think at the same same time it, it had to be that cheesy because it, they were going for the whole galge sort of endings right the whole multiple and the fact yeah, that they went for that yeah that is true if you play a galge they always have that cheesy good end and then the true end always has some sort of drama but it ha- ends off happy right it's, it's just natural i get it i completely understand why they did that but it's also it raises up the point were they doing this for for dvd sales because within the anime they mention oh you get extra content within dvds etc so it's like did they do this secretly to get more people to to buy dvds for it because the only way you can technically watch these now is if you buy the blu-rays and you buy dvds you get three extra actually no you get quite a lot extra episodes you get three four you get four extra episodes of orimo like that's another half of the season that's insane though like it's kind of scummy now now that i think about it as like look if you're going to change the source material right because the light novel didn't have this good end why wouldn't you just include the true ending on air and then put the extra good ending is the special now if people 
want to find out about how, like, the way it leads into season two, they have to buy the DVD, which is really and scummy, guess honestly. guess what, Kevin? It happens for season two as well. There's an extra... Season two ends on, I believe, it ends on 13 episodes. They add an extra three episodes with and a true ending. I, then again, that doesn't really matter because you couldn't pay me to watch season true, two either true. way. But... <laughs> I get you. I think that's what they do in Guantanamo Bay to, like, torture people. They make them watch Oremo seasons. <laughs> That's what they do. Cruel and unusual that punishment. Is, that is what it is. It's illegal to watch RMO season two. I think so. And I'll be able to just like, you know, not just just bring out the waterboard. You know, just That's waterboard it. me. I'd rather do that instead of than watch season two. Clearly, it's a tactic for people to buy the Blu-rays and things. And I get it. It makes sense. RMO is still something that is obviously hotly debated today. So it's a kind of scummy thing. I'm surprised that Crunchyroll weren't able to, to get those OVAs because I've seen it with certain anime. They do have the OVAs on there. Even Funimation does it as well. Like stuff like Baka to Test and... All these other shows, even Ass Class, they get the OVAs in and like My Hero and stuff. They get the, so it's like, why can't they get it for this show in particular? Yeah, and also it just it's confusing for people going to season two. You know, like for if for whatever reason you decide to go into season two, you're just like, wait, hold up, I thought she didn't go to America, and then you have to like somehow get access to the extra episode. Not not a fan of it, honestly. I honestly would have enjoyed the show a bit more if you hadn't told me <laughs> that there was a true end you know but Last. It's a weird one because even then the true end makes more sense leading on to second season. Uh, speaking about that, let's talk about characters. What do you think about the characters Ooh. within the show? Because that is an interesting okay. one. I'm going to go right into it and talk about Kirino because honestly... Oh, don't tell me Kirino's uh, best girl. Shit, look, 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 look. I already look. spoke to Will and Will was like, if Kirino's Kevin's best girl, I'm going to leave. No, no, just look. All I'm going to say is that she gets a whole lot of shit for what happens in season two. And I haven't seen season yeah, two no, yet. She does get a lot of shit. But I find her to be again extremely relatable true i can't deny that kevin but she's a pile of shit she's like yukimura like she's worse than yukimura oh wow 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 yeah. damn okay now you understand kevin anyway regardless i mean we're, we're talking about season i just kind of like her because i find that her and broske like, oh my god too... fuck off kevin with your broske no but it's yo you can't he's look, technically look, look. a broske i get it he's a bro and he is he is literally a bro and he is like just personality wise he's also a bro you can't he deserves the title of broske okay i don't know why oh, I, I don't know whether it's this secret law in japan that everyone named yosuke or uh kyosuke in an anime has to be a super bro but that's just how it is all right you, you gotta call a spade a spade you okay, know true okay. there's no there's no dancing Fine, around it i get it but i find that her and him they're kind of two sides of the same coin again because i find that he kind of represents we, we, we've all been through that phase when we first start out where you don't really understand the hobbies and i still don't understand kirino's hobbies right even even now right it's been what seven years since i got into onto this community and even going to to otakuthon about a month ago three weeks ago uh there are a lot of people like a lot of cosplays and stuff where i'm just like that is hmm it's kind of questionable i don't get that i mean if you want to buy those super suggestive shall i say like body pills and stuff and take them home and all that or buy like panties and stuff for the convention i mean you do you sure as long as you aren't like doing any shady stuff to real people as long as it's not getting in the way of your own health and stuff then what you do you right it just goes on to show that you know no matter how well you think you know the community there's always gonna be like stuff that you don't know about 
right? So that shocks you, that surprises you, right? Because there, it's just such a diverse genre, right? There's so many genres of of shows here, of manga, of games that you'll never see the end of it, honestly. And the other side is Kirino, you know, her trying to again defend her her hobbies, just trying to be herself, and you know, not take shit from other people for it, right? So that I find that them together make a really solid. They're just really solid characters that you can really uh, relate to. So that being said, would you say that one of the two, or maybe both of them, are your favorite characters within the show? You know what, I'm gonna let you continue first, because you haven't talked yet, and then I'll, I'll, I'll reveal my favorite character. I don't know if you'll expect it. Originally when watching this show, I didn't like Kirino. I thought she was a bitch. Let me guess, you were on team like Kuroneko and shit, you were like, oh, you're just a bitch girl. I wasn't on team Kuroneko because Kuroneko <laughs> doesn't have much character development within the first season. Her, her character okay. development comes in with second season with the whole senpai dynamic with Kyosuke, right? So uh, it's the same also with uh, Sayori Bajina. You know, that, that's a funny <laughs> name. I love that name. Her, the way she introduced herself fucking killed me in episode two. You know, she kind of speaks like Hamske. You know Hamske from from Overlord? Uh, no. Yeah, from Overlord. You know the hamster. Oh, the hamster. Yeah, you know, you know yeah, how hamster, Hamske yeah. is like yeah. a gozairu. Gozairu. He speaks. Yeah, he has the, he, he's the very formal accent. It's shit. not yeah. formal, but I think it's like overly, like it's, it's as if someone like doesn't know how to speak Japanese and they're learning it for the first time. It's like that. And, and they, they learn from like light novels. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's basically a sorry yeah. vagina, right? That's how she is. And the way that she speaks, I think as characters go, I'm not on Team Kuroneko for first season because she doesn't get any sort of character development. You just riled up a storm. I'm warning you right now. You're going to get like a shit ton of hate mail for that. <laughs> in second season, because you see her more in second season and her getting a lot more development in second season kind of makes second season's ending a lot worse. Do you know what I mean? Like that's where mm, it comes yeah. from because there was a lot of people that were rooting for Kuroneko. But that's besides the point. ISA didn't really like ISA as a character because she was kind of a bitch. I see. I see. Okay. She felt kind of fake. Like she was only there for her friend when her hobby suited her do you know what i mean she wasn't there for the thick and thin of it i kind of appreciated characters like sayori and like kuroneko because they were true friends yeah they got into shit with each other they would argue with each other they'd be like oh man your anime shit and you're in this and that and i kind of related to that i was like oh that's so cool man we do this on kunai all the time we just berate other people's best girls and anime suggestions and we just talk shit and that's what the anime community is about we talk shit to each other <laughs> but we know that it's it's we don't necessarily mean it and we're talking out of passion i don't know about that though I, I wish the community was that respectful but just spending like five minutes on like my enemy list or like on, on twitter like oof the, the shit you see on there when, when i started in this anime community the community was very respectful i don't know about now but i mean i think you're just being like oh back in my day maybe right and you think you're looking at at it with the uh, roast into I think yeah. so, but i mean at the same time even if it is always like that we always have our niches and it's it's like even with <clears throat> kirino right when when she first went to that IRL meetup, she wasn't really talking to anyone. She only ended up talking- No, she didn't talk to anyone at all. She didn't talk to anyone at all until she went to the after party. And I'm pretty sure that there was, n all those other people didn't come to that and it's all that kind of stuff. So even within the wider anime community, you can make friends with one or two people. And I think that's great. So I kind of appreciated that dynamic between those characters. In terms of my favorite character this season, do you know what, do you want to know who it is? Yes, it is Manami's- No, it's not Manami. It's uh, not Manami. No, 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 it's not Manami. It, 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 it's her Grandma. grandmother no, and grandfather. Well, they, they were funny, right? but I mean, they were, they were more side <laughs> characters more than anything. Come on, is it Broskin? Uh, it's not. It's actually Kirino. It's oh. Kirino. 
I I can't stand Kira now. Wow, look at look two. at you like shitting on her. I'm shitting on okay. her because of season two. No, but look, look, but she's best character or best um, girl for you. Not, important not best girl, there. not best girl. No. Okay, but best she's character. the best okay. character in the show because how can you say that she's best character and then like shit on her? I, I don't get it. Explain yourself. Because I shit on her because of what she does in season two, and I shit, and that's resentment. Okay, that's not fair. You, that's not fair though. That's, that's against fair. the rules. Hence, bitch. hence why I'm saying she's best character in season one. Do you see what I mean? And I didn't necessarily know yeah. this until yeah. rewatching. I always had a resentment towards her in the first season when I originally watched Oremo. Why is it that you always hate Santa type characters, man? Until like until now. I mean, it's not that. It's just because they're bitchy. I don't appreciate bitchy characters, but I don't really always look into why they're like that. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? She's like a Tootsie Roll. She's very like, she's hard on the outside. What? You know what Tootsie Rolls are. <laughs> what? You know what Tootsie Rolls are. Hang on. What kind of fucking Tootsie Rolls you guys have in the UK? We don't man? have like, Tootsie Rolls. Like, I don't think it's a Tootsie Roll. Sorry, it's a Tootsie Pop. You know what Tootsie Pops are? Oh, yeah. Those are fucking disgusting, though. Those are like, they're, they're candy pops on the outside for those of you who aren't in North America. And then in the inside, there's this like fucking disgusting, like, it's like they melted down a brown crayon and put that shit in lollipop. <laughs> I'm also talking about the fact that she's hard on the outside, like hard candy shell, and she's soft on the inside. And you only kind of figure that out when you learn more about the character. I didn't really realize this in the first season when I was watching this for the first time. I just hated her. I was like, she's such a fucking bitch. Like, I didn't like that. And that's the same with Senna. And obviously... Even at the end? No, I'm, talk I'm, I'm talking about my original watch. I know, but even at the end of your original watch, like episode 10 of the yeah. season... Yeah, really? Because bear in mind, Kevin, I watched the true ending and I didn't appreciate what she did in the true ending because okay, she wasn't okay. true to herself. Fair enough. So that kind of grew the resentment. Wait, her and what'd you say? What? Hang on, you said that she wasn't true to herself in the true ending. I gotta disagree. I, I, I know it's kind of a tangent, but I, I have to contest that here since we're talking about her character. You've never seen the true ending, no? I, you told me what happens in the true ending. She decides to, in some regards, she isn't true to herself, but I find that she she clearly stated that, you know, she really wanted to do track and field, right? You know, people always focus on her her otaku hobbies, obviously, because that's the focus of the show, but you have to remember that she is a very prominent athlete, right? It's mentioned that in her conversations with Ayase and stuff and in her school life, right? So, yeah, but she She's leaving everything else behind to have one thing. I thought she was all about that otakuism was her life. And also track and field. She has all of these other things that are her life. Track and field, modeling, all of this. But she's leaving all of those other things behind to pursue one of those. So it made me feel like, because why is she doing people that? People do that on a whim though, right? Like you, you wouldn't. I don't know, like, but she did just do it. leave she, everything you she have. She did do it on a whim because someone went up to her after uh, during a practice or something and they gave her that opportunity and she thought about it and she went for it because clearly it means a lot to her. I think that just in the context of the show, we're like, oh yeah, anime is the most important thing in her life. But I'd like to play devil, devil's advocate here and think about what she said in episode, I think, three or something, right? Like, yes, there's the side of her that's into like anime and shit. There's the side of her that's really like studious and shit, but she's... A really realistic and authentic character. If it means a lot to her, I can see why she would do it. What makes less sense to me is the the good ending, where she's like, "Oh yeah, I've planned this for months, right? This means a lot to me, and I've really thought about it. I've talked about it to my parents, but because of this one cutscene from some video game, I'm gonna cancel everything and stop." That to me is a lot more unrealistic, and that's her not being true to herself. I get where you're coming from, Kevin, but I still stand with that opinion. I, I find it hard to describe, but I think it's also maybe the parts of season two, Jack. Kind of jumping in there but she has great character development as a character i, I kind of grew to, <laughs> to love her as a character and i was just like oh okay i'm getting to understand why she's a cinder i'm getting to understand why she doesn't like her brother you know i don't you know in that episode where bajina sends the dojins right in the make in the oh, makeup yeah, box yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, when Kirino is like, she just runs upstairs with the box and then he jumps in and he's like, no, don't open that. And then all of that sort of stuff that happens there. I kind of feel the same way with Kirino in the sense that I didn't look at the full picture originally. I didn't really understand what was going on. And now I feel like an idiot rewatching it. So you're saying that, that her character is too deep for you to understand? Initially? initially, yeah. It was too deep for me to understand. <laughs> Bear in mind, I was new to anime. All right. Okay, for, yeah, and fair the, enough. the next time I saw Orema was literally now. Like, I'm coming from like 2012, 2019, seven years having not watched this anime. And I, I have a new appreciation for her and also for Kyosuke. I, I always thought that, yeah, Kyosuke is the plain character as they kind of meme about in this anime. He does. Can you blame yourself though? Like, even when I started out, right, I was like, is this, this guy looks like Shinji, you know, like, what the fuck? He seems like, he looks like no name ice cream yeah, yeah, you know like is. vanilla ice cream and his hairstyle doesn't help him out at all his, his hairstyle like his if i'm not mistaken he usually wears like a white chemise right yeah yeah so he, he looks like he's like just in some sort of like random school uniform yeah but he, despite all of that despite his bland looks his broliness shines through that's so true but i mean i i appreciate the lengths that he goes to protect his family and the lengths that he goes to kind of protect justice you know even if he doesn't like it even if he doesn't like the character he will just protect what is good i'm guessing you want to know who my best girl is kevin no wipe like season two your mind here okay all right just think of season one in season one my best girl is not kuroneko because she doesn't get any character development it's manami you uh, you fucking told me that it isn't what you literally i said manami and you were like oh no, no i didn't, didn't say that i said manami is not the best character I, i'm talking about best girl best oh, girl is okay. different from best character what the f hang on so you're like oh kuroneko uh, isn't best girl because she didn't get enough development and then you bring out fucking Manami? No, what? No, 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 no. I'll explain why. I don't let your fucking glasses fetish get in the way of this. Manami has a like, character. She's a childhood friend. First of all, great. That That's tick one <laughs> oh on, on best girl. Uh, best girl that's a childhood friend. That's why Yozara was, was best girl for me in season one of Haganai because she was childhood friend. That's best. And that's why you were wrong. Also, glasses. Great. Lovely. Secondly, you see, he, he even admits to it. He admits that he's like a Magane fetish. Look at this guy, honestly. Like, you just lost all of your credibility. You're I like, had no credibility to begin with, Kevin. That I agree with. I completely agree with Bish. <laughs> but continue, yeah. Not only that, it's just the way that she is. She's just a nice person. She's just so nice and she's just like, she teases him. And the way that she does it, I'm like, I want that. I, I, I want that. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> I, I look i'm at the age where i'm gonna probably get married like in like five to ten years and it's just like i want that she's the ultimate wife bish you thirsty motherfucker <laughs> when you're at the age of like a marriage age okay gramps well see see that's i relate to her because she's like grandma as well at the same time kiyosuke calls her grandma so it's like i, I wouldn't mind i would not mind <laughs> All right. No, but she's best girl. 100% she's best girl. What about you, Kevin? Okay. Before I say Kirino, I'm just going to go over here. You're going to say Kirino. I know you're going to say Kirino. Before I say anything, I got to mention Kuruneko because I, I feel that if we, you kind of like glossed over her really quick. And I feel that if I don't mention her at least, we're going to get a lot of flack. People will be like, well, actually, uh, she had a lot of character development that you guys missed. In well, no, she did. And, she got uh, character she development in terms of, oh yeah, she's helping out her family and then etc. But you don't really get to see Kuruno's character development in season one unless you watch the OVAs. Yeah. Yeah. And let you watch the yeah. OVAs. That's what that's my point. We don't get to see enough of her and honestly because it's so focused on Kirino and Broski. And you don't right? see that 
that character development start until you see the true ending where Kirino is actually out of the anime and Kuroneko kind of jumps in for those last four episodes. So. Like you, you see little glimpses of something good. I don't feel that she gets enough attention. I'll be honest with you, Kevin. If we were to watch those four episodes and actually include them within the Kunai episode, our opinions on Kuroneko would be a lot different. Oh yeah, that, that'd be that's a shame though because I'm never gonna watch season two. I'm saying it right no, now. No, I'm not I'm talking about season two. It. I'm talking about the OVAs. If they were included on Crunchyroll, oh, okay. that's what I'm trying to say. Because obviously we don't watch things that aren't considered as this first season, right? If we were to watch the OVAs, my opinion on Kuroneko for this first season would be a lot different, and I would be saying maybe my best girl choice would be different as well. It would probably be Kuroneko. But yeah, as a character, yeah, she didn't really get much development. I think uh, people that are listening, please don't be upset with what we're saying. But it's just it is what it is. You can't deny fact. One character I think you kind of disrespect though is Saori. Really? Uh, yes, she's kind of she's she's kind of like Kuroneko in that she doesn't get that much development. But I do think that she does just like Kuroneko. You you do see glimpses of something great. That she's kind of this mentor for them, right? She's kind of like um th this anime sage, if you will. She is the Neo. Essentially, yeah, yeah, exactly. And she's kind of like making sure that these two are getting along, right? That if you think about it, she picked out these two because they were the ones who didn't talk at the first meeting, right? So she went up to them, she approached them and try to, try to get them to talk about uh, what, what they're passionate about, right? So she kind of was the catalyst for the dynamic we have at the end of the first season. I, I don't think that you give her enough credit for that, right? Obviously, Broski is very important in that, but I think that she played a pretty big role as well because she's like coordinating with them. She's sending them stuff. She's like sending... Kyosuke's uh, messages and stuff to try to get them to meet up and all that, right? So I, I do think that you can't sleep on her, right? True. But okay, finally, best girl. So my best girl is Key. No, just kidding. It is Ayase. What? Kevin, are you <laughs> fucking serious? No, Kevin. No, Kevin. Kevin, Kevin. You could have said Kirino. I would have been okay with Yo, that. yo, you. You know what? If you had chosen like Kurunako or anyone else other than Madame, I would have been able to like be like, all right, all right, fine, fine, you're right. But you know what? You're on the same level as me, okay? Wait, wait. Are you are you serious here? Yes, I'm oh, fully we're serious. We're not joking. You're actually serious. I'm fully serious. Okay. I'll let you explain yourself. That's something I did not expect. Best character. Best character is the 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 character that you think is you know the most wholesome, the most well developed. People that person that you like the most, right? Which for me, by the way, I didn't mention, but it was uh, Kyosuke. Oh, okay. For okay. obvious reasons. Uh, but best girl is just kind of like it's kind of like a the meme. A meme. It's the meme category. Okay. Best character. Oh. All right. So not gonna lie, her design. Okay, her design's really uh, nice. Sorry, her okay. design is she's Kirino but with black hair. Continue. You shut the. You shut your whore That's mouth, what she bitch. Is. Nah, nah. Kirino has a better design. Nah, Kirino the has disrespect. Got the little fang, the like disrespect. Agana, like uh, Senna has and Agana. I thought you were going to say Kirino, but no, I, I disrespect you so much, Kevin. Okay, continue. She's got a nice design. Okay, cool. What else? Okay, but other than that, she's again, a fucking bitch. I think that I. Look! Oh my god, can I fucking finish this? Okay, sorry. <laughs> continue, Kevin. The reason you are so pissed right now, I love it. But the reason why I think she's my best girl is because it's for the same reason why I think episode five is the best episode. It's because I fucking hated her at first, right? But then I was like, you know what? I kind of see your point and I kind of, she brings a new perspective, right? Because look, at first I was really angry at her for being so hot-headed, right? And for cutting off ties with Kirino, right? Who's your best friend all of a sudden. But 
I think that the show does a great job at explaining her reasoning, right? Just like they did for the dad. Right? So from her point of view, it's kind of like finding out that her best friend was into, you know, basically child porn, right? So thinking about it like that, her reaction's understandable in a way, right? Uh, it, it opens up this whole new can of worms about what is acceptable in fantasy and all that. And let's admit, uh, a lot of the viewers who watched the show probably got upset at the way she reacted, right? And they probably fucking hate her for that, right? And I might prompt you to think, well, you know, that's completely unfair. She's being a bitch, just like you are, right? But uh, I think that's the entire point. I think the author is trying to show that, look, you can't expect fair treatment from outsiders because that's not what happens. You don't get that consideration when people judge your hobby, right? People don't think about the fucking ins and outs, right? They think about it the same way as the dad or Zaya say, right? So the way that she reacted got me mad at first, and I was like, wait, wait, it made me stop and think about, you know, again, the way that we're treated, right? I know it's a serious point, but if that's your point, so why isn't the dad your best girl? Because they're basically the same character. Well, because I think the dad's design isn't as good, you know? You know, he, but... he, doesn't, he doesn't have anime titties. Okay, oh, that's fine. <laughs> that's what it is. I think that's about it for my characters, really. I think I really had to, I said everything that I had to say. Same here, man. Yeah, but speaking of, of design, though, right, which I really did like for, for some of the characters, again, ISA, uh, I just want to talk about the art style and the animation. Like, what uh, what are your thoughts on the it? The animation is quite nice. Like, I, I did mention before that there's a lot of sort of etchy shots hmm. in this anime, right? There's... So is that why you consider it quite nice? No, no, that's not oh, that's God. not why I like it. They do a lot of detail in these sort of shots, which they don't really need to, but the fact that they're doing it, it's, a, it's well appreciated for me. It's very varied in, in terms of the colors that are used and even the palettes. And the character designs, it's not like they're all the same character. Apart from Kirino and ISA, they basically look exactly the same. But you have the other friend that is basically the, the one that cosplays as Meruru. Like it, it, it's all varied. Like it shows all these different types of people which is very unique in anime like usually in anime everyone looks the same like in Haganai for example you can shave all of their heads they'll look exactly the same as one another but you know you've got like characters like Sayori Bajina and it's like what I enjoyed actually is that they're all otaku but there's like different generations of otaku and different types of otaku like uh, for example it's mentioned that Sayori Bajina looks like an otaku from the 90s or from you know like from the 80s right like that's her sort of style going for it and then you get Kuroneko which is like you see a lot of otaku that like do cosplay and like the goth lolita style. You got someone like Kirino who looks normal. You know what I mean? So it's those sort of things that I enjoy in terms of character design, in terms of animation. Animation is very smooth as well. I really can't say much about it. AIC has done a good job on it, to be honest with you. That's my opinion on it. Hmm, that that's interesting. Because for me, okay, I found that the design of the characters was good, right? It was nice, but the animation actually for me was... I was just focused on the tights and, and the arrow shots. That's the I, Honestly, I think you were because there, there were these two moments that really jumped out to me. It was, uh, was it episode two? where I think they're in the class, yes, they were in the classroom, all right? And the main characters are having a discussion and they're moving, right? And it's the age old technique that a whole bunch of shows use where the main characters are moving, the people having a discussion are moving, but everyone else in the background, right? The nameless classmates, they're completely frozen, right? And for that, for me, especially, you can get away with that in like shorter shots, but when you're having an entire discussion, right? And nobody moves in the background, it sticks out like a sore thumb and it just, it kills the realism in the scene. And again, this show is all about authenticity, about realism, right? About the meta and just having this breaks the immersion and it feels really cheap. And not only that, it appears 
here's I thought I was like okay maybe it's this one time in the show nope it happens again um, when they're in the cafe right I think they're with Saudi or whatever they're talking in a cafe there's this one woman in a red dress all right who's behind them and she's also frozen right and the reason why I mentioned this woman in particular is because the woman and the people at the table with her in the background, they reappear in episodes 9 and 10. So they're in the cafe at different points in time, and the exact same frozen background appears both times in back-to-back -back episodes. For me, that's kind of like... It... I didn't necessarily notice that, but I mean, thank you for having a keen eye to notice that. Uh, in terms of the animation as well, I just wanted to mention that it might be the case that they were more focused on other portions of the animation in terms with uh, 3D. Like, I'm not sure if you noticed they have the CG elements in the games. The fact that they made games from scratch as well was a bit insane. Like, if the 3D fighting games, obviously doing that from scratch is intense mm. with, like, game animations and fighting animations in a fighting game so stuff like that do you think they focus more on those things like do you think they should have focused on that as opposed to i, I mean I, i'm not expecting them to have fully animated backgrounds that's that's a lot of work i understand but other shows what they do is they just have uh, background characters do simple like loops yeah, right in animation. so at least they're moving right like cause nobody's frozen for like five minutes straight just something simple like that would have ad added a bit of life. I think it would, but I mean, at the same time, Kevin, there's a lot of stuff that needs to be animated within this show. The fact that there's animes within this show, the fact that there are games within this show that they need to obviously draw key keyframes for, etc. So there's a there's a lot of work on their hand. It's not like any normal anime. Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, I understand that. I'm just saying, like, I'm being nitpicky. I'll I'll be completely clear on that. I am being nitpicky, but I just think that if they had a bit more time. Small changes like that would have breathed a bit of life into it, made it a bit uh, smoother, if you will. Fair enough. Is there any other points that you want to bring up from uh, animation and art stuff? Uh, not much. It was really just that thing, the the frozen backgrounds that like, hit me because they came back multiple times throughout the show. But other than that, the main characters are solid, solidly animated. The way that they, they designed the games and stuff as well, that's pretty well done. Overall, pretty solid bar those rare moments. Uh, one thing that I want to move on to is the opening and end. I'm not sure I don't want to really say much on it but I'm not sure if you've noticed that that each episode has a separate ending yeah I, I didn't notice I'll admit until like episode four I have a habit of just taking notes on the opening and ending uh, like the first episode and then like halfway through and at the end to see like if my opinions change on it and then I was just like okay so the opening is the same but the ending like I don't remember seeing this before right and it doesn't sound the same either because uh, I remember writing for the first ending in episode two I think that it felt very very generic right because the the music's solid and stuff. Animation is boring though, that's the thing. Solid music plus boring animation isn't great. Well, I think the, the endings most of the time is just uh, fan arts and like key arts and stuff like that. I don't, it's just a slideshow. There's nothing that's moving, right? It's, yeah, that's what I actually uh, noted. It's, it's even worse than AMV that you'd find on YouTube because at least then there's some action, right? Here it's like someone put a PowerPoint presentation and they played a song over it. If I'm not mistaken, there was a competition to decide like what art goes in the background so i think it was actually like fan art and stuff i think it's just a studio trying to show off fan art and like put in special music i think it was more also a pr promotional tool to promote like the the ost the album because it's it's all of different cast members singing a song for each um each one of the episodes um more so what, what was more impressive for me was the opening because this is an iconic opening actually one of a very famous anime opening uh, not because of its animation oh, or anything like okay. that i'm not sure if you knew this but it was done by oh um, my god 
Clash. Okay. A duo called Clarisse. Okay. Consists of two people, one called Claire and one called Alice, I think. Since then, they've broken up. They're not a duo anymore. They exist, but I think one of them had to leave. So then they brought in someone else to kind of fit in the spot. But I think this was one of their final, or I think Orimo was one of their final songs, like the OP and the ending for Orimo. I mean, the OP at least. Well, I don't mean to be a savage, but I can see why, because I found it to be really Get out of here, Kevin. That was like, the, the no, OP look, is look. great. So Fuck off. A animation for me No, we're not, was I'm not talking about the animation. I'm talking about the colorful. song. Like the song. Ooh, yeah. yeah. No, I, I found that the OP was good despite the music. <laughs> That's my opinion, Vix. I, there's the same repetitive beat. Like, I'm going to have to go, go to listen to it again. But I remember there being the same beat, right? It's the same. It, the speed doesn't change. It's the same beat, the same sound the entire way through, right? There's some other stuff that varies, but that same bass line remains throughout the entire thing right they also did the op for nisekoi i don't know if you like the op of nisekoi because you're shitting on this one fucking hell kevin oh but this one was like eh the music was lackluster in my opinion i, I didn't really like it it was really monotone I know you focused on the fact that Kirino was doing that hair flip. Like she was in like, was it like a L'Oreal <laughs> advert? Like, cause you're worth it. Like it's just like, that's the best. You don't see that anywhere in the anime. That's like the best shot in the whole anime, that, that hair flip. I wish I had a long hair so I could just do that. It's just like the ultimate fuck <laughs> you. Like imagine doing that. You go up to someone and you have an argument and you just do that hair flip and you just walk away. That is the ultimate fuck you. That's what I get. It's like a, a, a mic drop. That is the ultimate mic drop. I love that. I wish I could do that. But that's really all I have to say in regards to the um, opening and ending and in, in regards to the music it's all kind of sort of generic rom-com music it, nothing anything notable yeah that's just my opinion i didn't know much like i noticed that there was like some jazz pieces that are like okay but it, get, it gets the job done right not shitting on it it gets the job done it's just nothing uh, noteworthy for me. We already noted our gripes and grumbles throughout the episode, really. I'm not sure if you want to bring anything additional up. Oh, overall, I mean, I think it's very easy to enjoy Oremo as long as you forget that it's Oremo and ignore all the things that you've heard about it online because people have shit-talked the but show, But I think right? so the people you... have shit-talked the show from the second season, not really first season. Yeah, yeah, but people might not realize that, right? People, like, for me, people were shit-talking the second season because of that, as I said at the beginning, I dismissed the first season too, right? Because I was like, why the fuck should I watch the first season of the second season? seasons bad but honestly if your friends are wondering if they should watch it they definitely should for the first season at least you know on its own i find that it's very solid it fills in this this niche that not many other shows do well in my opinion and it's just portraying uh the life of you know people in the community of in, in a sense it kind of does the same job as shirabako and like yeah that's more production side this is this more is like, the life of uh, the viewer you know, and I think exactly. I appreciate that. And I think that's really why I wanted you to see it. And that's why I was memeing it from the beginning of Kunai, because I really wanted to have this conversation on it. In terms of would I want to see a second season? No, because the anime kind of felt self-contained in that sense, at least with episode 12. If you're watching the OVAs, of course, you want to see a second season, at least from my perspective. I kind of did want to see a second season. I won't be seeing second season either, just because I don't feel that it's it's what I'm looking for in this show. My final thought on this anime, like, because you've already suggested that you would suggest this to other people, but for me, there's a lot to learn from this anime. There is a lot of learning points, etc., in terms of otaku culture, etc. So if you're new into anime, I wouldn't say watch this straight away. I would say maybe watch a couple of animes, maybe at least five to seven anime before you watch this, because then you'll understand a lot more of the references. You'll understand the culture a bit more. You'll understand that you will be outcasted in some occasions for what you love. And also you'll learn that it's not 
bad to watch anime. It's not bad to have a fandom, to be part of something. So that's mm. how I see it. So I wouldn't watch it straight away. Maybe watch a couple of anime and then come to this. And I think you would enjoy it. I echo your sentiment. I'll, I wouldn't recommend this as a like a first show or even first few shows. I go f- farther than you and just say that maybe you should wait like a year or two at least after getting into the fandom before watching it. Just because then you can really appreciate uh, not only Kyosuke, but also appreciate Kirino's The, the reason that I say that, Kevin, is I think within the first year, a lot of anime fans tie down and say, look, I'm a shonen fan, or I'm a this fan, or I'm a shoujo fan. So that's why I've suggested it quite early, because when you're new into anime, you don't want, you watch a range of different animes. And even when we started Kunai, when we were all new to anime, we decided to watch a range of different animes. And then obviously I became the shoujo guy and then Tyson was the, the shonen guy. So, I mean, within that first year, that's when you start to learn about different animes and different genres. So that's why I suggested it at that point, as opposed to a year later. People tend to be more solidified in their genres. So I hope you guys really enjoyed the episode that we did for Orimo. I think it was one that was had a long time coming. And obviously I enjoyed having this discussion with you today, Kevin. It was obviously quite nice. It's it's always nice to kind of talk about the culture and the industry, especially when we can tie it into a Kuna episode. Mm, It's one of our introspective episodes, honestly. Uh, It's it's not often on every episode that we really get into the nitty gritty of, you know, I I don't say that this show is falls off of coal in a way right it's not often that we get to have those sorts of no, discussions of on on kunai so I, I do think that it is a special episode in that regard no of course 100 percent. because obviously like the next episode that we're going to be t- doing and i'll let you announce it but you know even the episode before this when we were talking about overlord and even episode before that they don't always have these topics and we don't always get to sort of have a conversation within an anime podcast you know what i'm saying so it's great to yeah. have this sort of commentary it wasn't really it kind of felt like it was wasn't really necessarily about the anime it was more so about the industry that's why i felt this episode went and it's great to have episodes like that because we did the same sort of thing with uh shirabako even though i wasn't on shirabako episode but you know i i know that you guys had that sort of underlying conversation mm-hmm. and it's always nice to have conversations like that but before i continue kevin what is the next episode of kunai so the next episode of kunai is going to be good luck girl and I don't think many people have seen it, but if you're listening to this now, do prepare yourself for that episode. I think that you're in for some good laughs. It's a very solid comedy. You do have a point. Yeah. It is such an underrated show. So underrated. It is. It's very under the radar. I think that most people just have completely forgotten about this show, honestly. But uh, it is a comedy great, in my opinion. It is up. It does slapstick so well. There are so many other references, right? So if, like, if you watch JoJo or like Death Note or like it, it there's just references left, right, and center of that. For me personally, it's among my favorites. Just as a reminder, I just want to thank our sponsors, Japan Crate and Crunchyroll for supporting us. So remember, if you want to support us, go and support our sponsors. In addition to that, if you do want to keep up to date with what we watch on Kunai, you can always check us out on our Discord page. If you go to www.getalifepodcast.com forward slash Discord, we've got anime channels, gaming channels, and then we can obviously talk about stuff spoiler free and obviously spoiler filled as well. In addition to our, in addition to that, you can also check us out on our Twitter pages. Mine, as always, is at Get Alive Podcast. Kevin and mine is at Tolvrai at T O L V R A I E. Yeah, and hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. Make sure I really want to have a conversation about this with you guys, whether it is on Discord 
or on the Twitter page. So please tell us what you think. Tell us who your best girl is. Tell us what you think about the industry in general, who your favorite character is, how the story was for Orimo. And please keep it to season one because I really don't want to talk about season two. We're going to forget about season two. It doesn't exist, okay? Uh, hope you guys have enjoyed this episode and bye-bye. See you guys.